Hello and welcome to Into Your Life podcast. I'm Lenka and I'm joined here by my wonderful co-host Natalie. Hi, we invite you to join our weekly conversations about finding more life in one's life. Well, what does it actually mean? We have discussions with guests about ways to live happier, healthier and more fulfilling lives, both personally and professionally. That sounds great. Let's go. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today, Adam Kawalek. He, I have known him for over a year or known of him, should I say, is we are both in the same membership community. And I see his picture, every, you know, these little square boxes that we get on Zoom. We've been put into breakout rooms together and had these two, three, four minute conversations. And it's only recently that Adam and I have actually had a one-to-one and had a conversation and spoke. And there was a reason that I reached out to him. He's on the other wavelength, should I say. He's very much into sustainability. He has the same ideas, the same values or similar values to myself and Lincoln. And so I invited him to come and be on this podcast. Now, I know this is a very rambling way of introducing Adam, but there's so many different facets to Adam and there's a lot of different types of conversations that we can have. But today, I just wanted to have Adam as a to come and visit, to maybe plant some ideas in our audience head, to give them thinking about something in a different way. And with that, Adam, welcome. Introduce yourself. Just a little bit about who you are, what it is that you do, and then we'll start picking your brains for these things that inspire you in your life. Well, thank you so much for for having me and giving me the opportunity to to meet the both of you and and to have this conversation because I truly see this as a conversation. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Adam Kawalek Kawalets. Um, it's um, it's Polish and Czechoslovak uh, name in in the in way back. Um, so, uh, but I live in Sweden, so I'm from Sweden. You could say. Uh, but I do have this British accent, which is because I lived in England when I was younger. I tend to work with international uh, clients, so I get to maintain my English. And a lot of Swedes are good at English, so I, I guess that's that's just the short explanation of it. I uh, I work as a life and business coach, uh, and I have a background in, in the corporate world uh, working for IKEA. They're a very Swedish furniture company. And um, I had a bit of a rocket career at IKEA where I moved around into different warehouses, uh, stores and units and implemented change on a quite a large scale, um, being responsible for big teams of, of people. And um, after having done that for about nine years, I felt I wanted to do something for myself. I had certain values I felt were guiding me to do uh, more of that. And I just couldn't find the space for it where I was working for IKEA. So I started my own business as a, as a coach. And um, I guess a fun fact, I'm not even sure that you're aware of that, uh, Natalie, is that I am actually a trained actor. That was what I did until I was 22. And I've been acting since I was six years old on stages around Sweden. And um, yeah, I kind of had a, 
a, a career change when I went into IKEA and all of that. But that's me in a very short, uh, short story. Thank you. And no, I didn't know about the acting. So there's a fun fact for our audience. One thing that we spoke about was this, this the idea of traveling and working. So almost this nomad laptop or nomad business. And you went to Cambodia and you had a restaurant, but you've still managed to carry on with your coaching business. Can you share a little bit about what it's like to essentially be a nomad with running a business, but also some of the experiences that you had in Cambodia? Because I, I realized that that is a was a temporary or a was part of your life, but it's not something that you're doing now. But I'm sure you've got some wonderful experiences or nuggets that you can share with us and just what is it like to live out of a backpack with a laptop and run a business? Yeah, it, it, it's a funny jumping off point because it's it's such a strange one and, and big one, I think. And I think it's a great place to start. So exactly as you said, uh, my lifestyle is is literally that, that I everything I own uh, can fit into a backpack. And it's not a big backpack. It's not even those backpacker bags like which I started out with I think mine was about 70 liters or something like that, 85 which is a huge one but now I'm down to like um god it, it's small it's probably less than 30 liter a backpack and it's a, it's a business class backpack so it really can fit under all seats and everywhere um but it's a very smart backpack so I get a lot of stuff into it, I, I have to say. So yeah, it, um, it started really for me in 2014. We, me and my partner, when I left IKEA, we started traveling and we ended up in Cambodia. I loved the place, um, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't at that time that I started the, the restaurant. Uh, so it was during that first visit when I recognized I want to do coaching. I'm going to do coaching, working on sustainable change. And that has uh, layers to it because it's we're talking about change that lasts, but also change that is sustainable, making an impact on a sustainable level. And so I came back from Cambodia. I started my business back in Sweden and and I went into uh, health coaching and, and um, mindset coaching. And I quickly grew tired of that because I recognized when, especially when it comes to health coaching, that a lot of people just wanted to outsource the responsibility. They kind of like, Hey, I'm paying you. I don't, I shouldn't have to do the work. And I was like, yeah, well, it doesn't work that way. So rather quickly, I transitioned into more uh, life coaching and, and other modalities like business coaching. And around that time we started traveling again. So my business was almost put on a pause. We had uh, accumulated a bit of money and we said, hey, let's go traveling. I was in that transition. Should I stop coaching? What should I do? And we went back to the safe Cambodia, at least safe in matters of familiar. And we started running out of money. So at this point, I wasn't really doing things online. I hadn't really figured that out. And then we were running out of money and we were like, we need to make money. What can we do? 
And we came up with this idea, let's start a restaurant. We had access to a, a big place, like a, a big space, you could say. And we said, yeah, we, we can do this. We can we can make our own breakfast and just make more of it. And, and we could see if people want to come in and have, have brunch. And, uh, and, you know, an important detail is that my partner, she's a vegan chef for 12 years. Um, I've worked in the restaurant business on and off as a, you know, supporting actor, like supporting my career. Like that is a typical stereotypical place to be, I can tell you. So I, I know how that works. So we did that, did that. And um, it's funny, and maybe we'll get into this a bit more, but I'll just drop this, this um, seed. Starting our restaurant was an easy thing to do and it helped me launch my career or a business as a coach as well because I used the same principles then that I do today when it comes to creating clients and it's I don't personally it's not that I don't believe in marketing marketing it's just I don't want to do marketing so in Cambodia when we opened up our restaurant it was the same thing we opened up next door to a ashram like a, a, a like um retreat center and so that was easy because we had people walking over just the meadow just to have a a, a breakfast and brunch uh, meal and so we didn't have to market and we became quite popular we had a good positioning and everything and uh, I did the same same thing with my coaching business so I was noticing that because people were walking over we started having conversations and I kind of slipped into the conversation saying hey um well, if you would like to have a conversation about that, I offer coaching here. So after we closed, because it was a breakfast and brunch place, we, we closed at 1 p.m., uh, I would open the place up for coaching. And sometimes there was more demand than I had availability for, so I would have group coaching uh, sessions as well. So I started or restarted my coaching business, you could say, charging $8 an hour, um, with with people in Cambodia and eight dollars an hour isn't a lot of money actually it was I was giving away 90 minutes so it's it's even less than eight dollars an hour um but funny thing is in in Cambodia you didn't have to make a lot of money and it allowed me to build a lot of uh, connections um momentum experience practice and so I kind of relaunched my business that way and because my people that I was helping and supporting, they were travelers themselves. So they kind of scattered back out into the world and they kept recommending me. So I started creating this network of people all across the world who had heard about my services, probably because it was so cheap and, <laughs> and also had a level of impact. And so they reached out. So over time, I just kind of had to figure out the, the online business stuff. And now we're talking about 2016. So I had to figure out this business stuff. I started with Skype. I used Calendly to set everything up so I didn't miss appointments. And that's where it started. Um, and ever since, we've been traveling around the world. We've lived in Tenerife, one of the Canary Islands. We've uh, lived on Bali. We've lived in Thailand. Uh, we've been in Sweden, of course. We've done some volunteering as well so we've lived in southern parts of spain uh, portugal and and places like that so we've been around all kinds of places um all the while me building running and growing my business um but it all started that way 
and it's such a a great way to start because you you almost saw a need and as and I love how you explain that these you were coaching travelers and they just went out into the world and they spread they marketed for you and that the vision is just wonderful and and like you said you don't you didn't need to charge a lot being in Cambodia because you didn't need a lot of money so you just charged what you felt was right so yes in sitting here in the UK or Sweden and thinking eight dollars an hour wow you know it but you've got to think that you in a different environment it's a totally different scene it money's has a different idea to money than it does in especially in western culture so it's just wonderful that that you shared that and how you've gone from you know having this experience and realizing and learning to go online to being able to take your business to to just live out of a tiny backpack I mean I go on holiday for a weekend the car the boot in my car is full but caveat that I have dogs and their bedding comes with so that does take up a lot of space but I love the idea like you said you've been to Tenerife Spain you you're able to volunteer you're able to do different things because you can literally pack up your laptop your tiny tiny little backpack and off you go. One question though is internet, you know, Wi-Fi. Is that something that you're finding easier as people are getting more and more used to the idea of more online? Or is finding Wi-Fi and internet, especially in places like Tenerife or Cambodia, or even sometimes southern Spain, is that still an issue or is that getting better now? Short answer is really, yeah, it is getting better, but it's never a guarantee. Um, so I think what's been somewhat of a lifesaver for me is to always make sure that I'm open to getting like a, a separate cell phone plan or something like that. If I know I'm going to spend a month or more in, in a destination, I will look into what are the SIM options here? What are the data plan options? Obviously, I, I, I'm not going to sign on a contract in a foreign country, but there are a lot of times ways that we can have these prepaid uh, cards that we can use. Um, so I will use that as a backup, which often is required or necessary um, because the internet is obviously, without it, there is no business in, in my case, at least. So yeah, the short answer, it is getting better. But it is something to consider when you look for an Airbnb or you're looking for a, a place to volunteer. Like it's it's one of our primary questions. How's the Wi-Fi? And it, not just asking, I'd actually like you to submit a screenshot of the actual uh, measurements, like bandwidth measurement um, or, or speed, um, because it's one thing to say, yeah, it's good connectivity. Yeah, but what does that mean? So I'd like to have some kind of base level and understand what I can expect. Um, I do sometimes still have to re resort to voice calls only, not video calls uh, because of that. Um, but I try to do my best to limit that, um, those, those scenarios. Yeah. And that's some good advice is if you are thinking about becoming like a nomad business or traveling, or even if it's for six months and you want to go traveling is 
really looking into what Wi-Fi is like because most businesses now tend to be very much online, global, and, and these are useful bits of information to, to have. One of the things that we spoke about was also the, the sustainability that you are able to help projects with, which I'd love you to talk a little bit about, but also is why are you interested in sustainability? Why is this something that connects with you? Yeah, so, well, first of all, I think my upbringing, I, I grew up playing in nature. So I, I, I really did. Like we'd, we'd go out and we wouldn't come in until our mothers uh, were screaming at us like, you need to eat, it's getting dark, come back home. And where I grew up, um, there's a natural formation of caves uh, in, in the woods, in the forest, next to a, a railroad. So it's really dangerous. Our parents did not like the fact that we played there. Also, there's like a like an eight meter drop. So in case you do fall off, you you, you probably hurt yourself pr pretty badly. Um, and that's you. that used to be our spot. Like that's where we used to play. I was seven, six, six, seven years old and my older friends would take me there and we would play and all of that. So I always had that closeness to nature. Um, and so when I uh, started running, because uh, I used to be quite overweight and unhealthy in many, many ways. And I started running as a way to kind of manage my weight and stuff like that. I, I got back into nature and I got back into that whole experience. And it got me thinking more and more about um, just the, the passion I had for in the environment, the nature. And uh, at this point was also when I kind of had started my own personal journey on on personal growth. And I picked up a book called Meat Free Mondays by Paul McCartney, um, I believe his, his wife as well. And, and they suggested that if we all just didn't eat animal produce on a Monday, um, we could change the world together collectively on, on such a grand scale. And I like that idea because I'm, I'm a bit lazy. So I was like, yeah, one day a week, that's, that's easy. You know, I, I can do that. But because I'm lazy, um, I cooked on Mondays in, in in such volumes that it would last me for Tuesday and Wednesday as well. So I kind of turned semi-vegan Monday to Wednesday because that was just what I ate. Um, and it did, it did influence me quite a bit. I, I liked how I felt. There were some health aspects that started uh, uh, aligning with me as well. That's around the time I met my partner, who at that time was a full-time vegan. Um, so I kind of went, went into that. And that opened everything up to me that, again, um, caring about the environment, caring about animals, caring about the choices we make in terms of consumption, uh, materialism, all of that. And um, and I just found, noticed that I am really passionate about this. Um, I did notice also, because you you hinted at that in, in the introduction, um, minimalism or, or the, the fact that I travel with such a small backpack is that wasn't who I was. Like I... When I met my partner, and we've been together now for more than 10 years, she said, you have more shoes than most women do. And she wasn't lying. She wasn't wrong. I did. I had so much clothes. I had so much stuff. Um, and it's just because I was making a lot of money. I just didn't have much time to, to, to do anything. So I spent my money on stuff that was supposedly 
making me happy. Um, and then I started realizing it wasn't making me happy. I wasn't making the same amount of money. And I started downsizing. So I started dropping a lot of the, lots of that. And as I mentioned with my own personal growth journey, minimalism came into my life. And I started realizing the importance of, well, valuing what matters. So I went really, really like the pendulum swung. So going from having everything to basically having nothing, but then it kind of evened out. And, and the, the, the concept I now subscribe to is more called uh, optimalism. So it's not so much about minimalism in, in terms of like not owning anything at all. It's really about finding the perfect fit for you. And I think that's a bit more of an allowing um, concept or mindset to have. Um, and that allowed me to also make more time, more time for what I, I was passionate about. Um, I think it also lend itself to having a bit more of a sustainable lifestyle. You don't buy more things than you actually need and stuff like that. And you reuse, you repair, you value things. Um, so that that's how that sustainability thing had an extension into my values, my life. And because I quite quickly decided I wanted to focus on change that lasts. And, and that is to me a bit about affordability because, you know, Paying for support, paying for professional support can be expensive. And I felt if I'm going to charge those kinds of prices, I want people to trust and know that this is a lasting change. Now, you mentioned, I mentioned the, the $8 in Cambodia. My prices today are a bit different uh, for, for many, many good reasons. Uh, and funny enough, I still have people working with me today that worked with me back in Cambodia. They're now paying way more than $8 for 90 minutes, um, which again goes to show that it's not so much about the price, it's really about what they value uh, the outcome to be. So um, these days I get to go to places where I can make an impact or a difference in terms of sustainability. Um, we've been involved in a, and we're still involved from a distance in a project called Canary Green, which is uh, a non-profit organization on the Canary Islands for sustainable tourism and travel. Um, so we do a lot of things there. I still, from afar, train their team, do workshops and, and stuff like that to to help them um, uh, make a, a greater impact. We've done a lot of um, volunteering. We lived in northern parts of Thailand with a self-sustainable village. So 2014, I saw a YouTube clip, uh, a TED talk by a guy, P. Joe uh, from Thailand, who was talking about his village and, and seed saving and all kinds of stuff. And I said, oh my God, I want to meet him. So seven, 2017, we wrote him, we got to stay with him for a month and we got to be part of that self-sustainable uh, environment, which inspired us quite a lot. And we've done these things on and off, gone to these beautiful places. And yeah, I mean, you're asking, I guess, like, where, where's is this passion and stuff like that? But it, it's just that. I just love nature. I I think it's it's just a beautiful planet we have. And, and that's why I want to dedicate some of my time and attention to it. And I guess being optimization, I guess that, that's what you said. I love that is it gives you the freedom then 
to go to all these places to see because you you're not tied down to a house with bills you're not tied down to essentially a job as well I mean that can also tie you down but it through just experiencing and doing it you've found a way to really live out of a backpack but live in a way that follows your values that follows your passion that follows your heart I mean I get with the consumption not consumption consumerism is packaging does my head in because you get something that's really small in packaging that's 10 times bigger than the item is and it's plastic it's and you can't recycle it it's it's just useless packaging basically and clothes as well a lot of clothes is you know almost wear one and throw away so living and optimizing with what you've got it's about quality you know you'll get stuff that you know you can wear a long time yet will last a long time that can be shoved into a backpack and come out doesn't matter where you where you're living you can still do it and you you also mentioned about saving seeds and this is something that that I'm very passionate about because I grew up in in South Africa but we my, my mother and her husband had a farm for a while and it's very much around the biodynamic way of living it's you know save your seeds use use the seasons eat what's in season and it's very much going into nature and the way things are going at the moment we are so far from nature even the food is not natural anymore and this is something that I'm really interested in because these projects that you involved in this um green canary green and sustainable tourism I mean I know in South Africa when we used to get the tourists it's like oh my word what happened you know here in the UK in in Cornwall or Devon after the summer holidays it's like what happened it's it's like a rubbish dump you know it's just well we don't live here so we'll just chuck all our rubbish wherever and that's just part of it so I love how you've experienced different places different ideas different perspectives because obviously Canary Islands and Tenerife is very different to Cambodia which is different to Thailand again and what everybody is doing and what they are doing to help themselves as well as help the environment help this world that that we are living on and you very much follow what you preach (laughs) is you are living your ideals you are living your values and and this was one of the reasons why I wanted you to just come and have a conversation because not everybody wants to be a nomad or can be a nomad for for whatever reasons I love the idea of being a nomad but I also love the idea of having my stuff which is books and one thing that I wanted to mention is having downloads like getting books online on kindle and that that must be such a lifesaver because you don't have to be carting books about but yet you can have a kindle you can even have it on your phone and you can get all these books that that you love and you're talking to two bookworms here we love our books i do love a physical book 
if I had a choice, I'll have the physical book over the Kindle. I know, not very sustainable, but I love it. So um, if possible, I would like to go back to where we started the conversation a little bit and talk a little bit more about travel, but not as a travel to you know, see cool places, but I see travel as such a key element of person development and really understanding and getting to know oneself. And I think it was beautiful, as you explained it, that travel was the thing that made you really question is corporate life for me is coaching for me or is this coaching business still a thing for me or you know maybe this restaurant business could be a thing or is living in Cambodia the thing for me or are we going back so could you tell me a little bit about kind of your experiences and obviously you now work with so many digital nomads what are the things that you see being so impactful on people's journeys that are involved in this travel and new cultures, new experiences. Why is it so really magical on allowing us to tune in within ourselves while being exposed to different things outside of ourselves? I think, first of all, I think it's a, it's a matter of what you kind of already mentioned as well. I think it's the exposure to different cultures. I think that in itself is extremely valuable because it, it allows us different perspectives. And I think life is truly just lived through different perspectives. So, you know, there's a saying, when you change the way you see the world, your world will change. And I think traveling allows for that because if we stay where we are all the time, well, nothing really new is it might come into that picture, which doesn't have to be a bad thing. However, if we are on a quest to change something, then maybe something new needs to be introduced. And I think traveling is is not always such a gentle way of doing it, but it's definitely what, uh, an effective way of doing it. Um, so I think that alone is is powerful uh, to, to dare open up. And I think that's the thing. We've very seldom traveled as tourists. So we've never really stayed at a resort or a hotel, fancy place like that. We have homestays, we have hostels, we do live-ins, we do couch surfing, we do volunteering. So we we give away two, three, four hours a day in exchange for food and, and uh, a roof over our heads. So that allows us to really integrate into the, the culture, the community, and it gives us a completely different experience. And I've loved that. Like that has been a game changer for my life, but also in my profession, I believe. Um, I think one more thing that travel does or did for me at least is it so that's the whole thing uh, part of my story is that I went that first time in two, 2014 thinking that I was going to find myself right so I went there we lived on the beach and everything was perfect and fine and I fell into a five month deep depression I just couldn't get out of bed. And there I was living in literal paradise and I was feeling worse than I've ever felt. And I couldn't figure it out until I did. And what came to me was here I was having these expectations that this is where life should be. Like this is where my happiness lives. And sadly enough, it didn't. I didn't stumble upon happiness as I arrived. And that's what really triggered this journey inward, recognizing that 
happiness is a choice. Happiness is happening from inside. And, and so I went on that journey instead. So what I'm saying is travel, I think, is one way to recognize that, you know, it's there isn't just one destination that's going to tick the box. It's kind of like in mindfulness, we say, um, wherever there's a problem, there you are. And, and, and to me, that's kind of the same thing. Wherever you go, there you are. And so recognize that you're bringing your own perspectives, your own internal environment with you. So you might be in the most beautiful of places, but still you might not be able to enjoy it. How, how is that? Well, because who, who, who I am at, at that point. So I think that is also one of the ways that travel or, or yeah, traveling can, can help us open up. And I think it's important to also say that it doesn't have to be this big, long-term, um, adventurous, exotic kind of travel. Because I think maybe the word travel is not even the right word to use. It's the exploration, it's the curiosity, it's the taking time out of our routine. Because not everyone wants to go to you know Thailand and Cambodia and Bali. Not everyone wants to be on a plane talking about sustainability there will be now lots of people who don't want to travel in such a distances and on planes because of often sustainable reasons as well or they might already have a bit of anxiety and going to new places is very scary for them so i think what you said can also be applied on such a small scale of if it's just going on a slightly different trip within uk instead of going to the hotel chain you're used to going to or bnb well, yeah, try Airbnb, try living in someone else's home, try being curious about the people around you, the nature. I think the whole point that you made with bringing yourself into whatever place to find happiness, it doesn't have to be this now very popular image of the gorgeous beaches, like sunshine, all day cocktails. It's the travel just means taking a little bit of time out of the regular routine which we need so desperately, the change of environment, but it simply means going to the nearby town I've never been to or exploring my own backyard or going for a walk in a forest or living in a tent, whatever floats anyone's boat. So I think this is such an interesting concept that we, we've been allowed to explore with you. It's really the power of change and the power of coming out of our routines. But that also brings me to my next question, which is, it must be really difficult to manage a routine when you're constantly moving. Your life is very unpredictable, you're always changing. And yet we know that routine and habits are such an important part of happiness and health and success. So could you share a little bit about how have you found this change, first of all, from corporate life, I would imagine very easy predictability of routine to now being on the road, having a business, having all these different facets to your life and experiences and figuring out how to balance things, how to build new routines, how to manage sticking up to your habits when it will be a different country, different time zone, different weather, different place, potentially every couple of months. That is a great question. Um, so something I've told Natalie before is that before I met my partner, before I did my own journey in, in personal growth, 
I I used to divide my days into 15 minute increments. Like, so I had every block of time, like all those 15 minute increments, I had them all blocked out. If it was for a shower, doing the dishes, cooking, exercising, reading, this or that, and obviously going to work, that would just fill out a, a, a loads of, of uh, 15 minute increments. And that's, that's how structured I used to be and needed to be. So I, I can tell you getting arriving in Cambodia, which happened all within 24 hours from leaving Sweden was a shock to the system. Cause it was like, I was waiting for a bus to go to my final destination. And I was like, yeah, when is it leaving? And they said 3 PM. Fantastic. But, but it's 7 PM now. Like, where is the bus? Oh, it's coming soon. And it, it, it did eventually arrive, but it was like in their world, they had no obligation to tell me it was late or even apologize for the fact it was late while drive sitting on the bus. It was supposed to be a four hour ride. That was a lie. That was 10 hours. And that was a, the normal stretch. Nothing unplanned ha happened. So clearly it just takes 10 hours. You just say four. Um, and there are uh, chickens in, in cages and there are strangers, babies in your lap. And, and it's, it's absolutely crazy, which I needed. Uh, I'll tell you, because if you, if you structure your days into 15 minute increments, you, you can probably use a little bit of um, variety in your life. And, and so I was kind of forced to, to, to deal with that. Um, and, and I did, and, and, and I actually do like that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for my experience because it allowed me to reevaluate stuff. What I've come to see is that habits are great and all routines are, are also helpful. However, if we are very attached to those habits or routines, there might be a need for control. A need for control can also lead to some suffering. So I think that is 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 important to understand. Like if if you're noticing that your life gets limited by your routines, your need for routine or your habits, then maybe it's an invitation to look over the the intensity of that. And, and that was my case. So I actually benefited from having less routine, less habits. Now, still being an introvert, still being a bit of a structured person, I still have routines. And it is a challenge at times because we might change temperature and, and weather and climate and all of that. And, and so that that's part of it. Um, and I, I can't say that I'm 100% always nailing my habits that there are going to be moments when i fall off which is part of my whole philosophy around change anyway i i don't think we should ever have such a rigid approach to the change that we can't deal with uh relapse right so if you look at change and and behavioral psychology we often talk about the need to plan for relapses and relapse can also be uh, another name for it is maintenance to maintain that space. So for example, habits, um, how long does it take to adopt a new habit? Well, 21 days, some will say 90 days, others will say 180 and all kinds of options. Well, I'd say this, it is instant and it is forever. Meaning that once you understand the value of what you want to do, you could transform that very same day. That, that has happened many times over. Now, 
just because you changed once doesn't mean you automatically get to stay with that habit. Like in my case, I've, I've, I've lost a lot of weight since I started maintaining my health, but that's not an automatic response. That's not something that happens by default. It gets easier with time, sure, because of the power of habits, but it still needs to be a conscious decision, especially when you're traveling, because every routine, every habit is often challenged. So it's an opportunity to strengthen my habits. And it does require some strength uh, because it's not always that easy. I, I hope that answers the question um, somewhat. Yeah, it does. It's, you know, there is no right and wrong answer. What we're looking for is, you know, your experience or your perspective, and especially, you know, having experience in coaching and knowing that coaching often is about, you know, you have a goal or you have this intention and then you're working with someone to help you achieve that and how you do that. So obviously you will have experience with that. And part of that as well, what you often talk about now is your values. And I think that's part of coaching is also and our lives these days it's the importance of our values and yet i find values a very interesting concept because the more i am on my journey the more realizing that lots of our values will be put on ourselves on us externally that there's so much that through parenting through education through social kind of social networks culture now social media we do often think that we have either goals or we have values or we need to behave in certain ways because of the external pressures rather than going within and again i think it was beautiful as you said about the travel that you did have to go within to start looking for the happiness inwards and i would love to stick with that for a little longer because i think understanding your unique values deep down is linked to our health and happiness and can help us then build those habits and routines to achieve what we ultimately want in our life what, what do you think about that i mean that in itself is almost like a, a separate episode to have a conversation about um because i completely agree i i i often refer to like our values as the inner compass because to me, it's almost like that. It's it's to know the north and the south and the east and the west. If if you don't know your uh, your values, well, it's almost like Alice in Wonderland when she comes across the cat for the first time. She she comes up a, uh, upon a, a fork in the road and she asks the cat, "Sorry, do you know which road I should take?" And the cat says, "Well, it depends on where you're going." And she says, "I don't know." Well, in that case, you can take any road. <laughs> and I think. Knowing your values is kind of that. It's to know, should I go left or right at least? It's not about knowing the exact destination, but at least you understand the direction you're moving in. And, and so I often start with value work. Um, and, and as you said, uh, Lenka, I, I think a lot of times our values, we wear them. So observing people you often see. Uh, another interesting thing and also provocative thing to do is to have a look at people's calendars, because it's often that like, you, you know, you, here you say you say family is important or health is important. But in your calendar, I see no time for family, no time for your health. That's a funny observation, isn't it? Right. So it's 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 those things that we get to see practically or operationally 
that can work as a mirror and mirror back to us. And I think, again, going back to travel, that's a beautiful time to strengthen and um, reaffirm your values because you can quickly get off track. But I think core values or our values, yes, is extremely important. And one of the things is just to have a look at, um, I mean, I, I went back to talk about my childhood and, and nature um, because I think that's where that came from. Um, and it matures and it, it, it percolates, it, it, it evolves from there. But a lot of times we know looking back and in, in times when we felt in flow, we felt in absolute harmony with what was, we can we can identify certain values that might be important. Um, yeah, I mean, I can, again, I can easily talk more about that, but I'm I'm not, I'm going to hold myself back a bit. Thank you. Yeah, I think this is definitely not the last conversation we have on this podcast with you because there is so much. And I was just thinking about where to take it next. I know we have a few more minutes to go. And I still wanted you touched on it, the sustainable travel. Because I think we are very much on the travel theme today and I would like to stay there. And I really like the whole idea of nature and sustainability and travel and kind of look at this topic for a little bit. Because I think a lot more people is now realizing that sustainable travel is important. And yet there is still the travel industry is such a massive machine. So many countries depend on it and so many countries really don't know how to handle it, especially talking about Southeast Asia. There are so many issues with uh, tourism. So I would love a little bit of your perspective to anyone who has this little bit of a consciousness in their mind. They would still love to travel. They would still love to see the world. Are there any tips or things that we could individually look at, we can as business owners look at? that we can move this world towards more sustainable ecotourism? Well, first of all, I think what's important to address is flying. Right? Flying is a, a, a bit of a taxing activity on, on the nature. And, it, you know, if you're going to Thailand, it, it, it's extremely hard to get there by any other means. Um, and I think there are... So in, in, in Sweden, we have a saying which is kind of like... Um, Nobody can do everything, but everyone can do something, right? That would be the direct translation. And I think, again, if if you look at my coaching approach, overwhelm tends to lead to procrastination, and and, and that's not not just my coaching approach. That is general science. And so, when I look to uh, invite people to change, I don't want to overwhelm them. I don't want them to feel scared or like there's a right and a wrong and I can make a mistake because as soon as that goes on, we often retreat back and, and do what's safe and known, which is doing the exact same thing we did yesterday and the day before and so on. So um, first of all, recognize that if you want to go travel and and the only way to get there is by plane, well, so be it, at least in my book for now. However, once you get there, maybe there are options you can choose, like the excursions you choose, the hotel you're staying at, um, the, the vendors or the destinations you visit. Like, can you kind of infuse? Because we, we vote with our money, right? So when you go to markets that are sustainable or you go to um, like a, what do you call that, craftsman or craftswoman, uh, and, and they're using something local and, and they're kind of giving back to community. If you vote with your money there, 
all of a sudden you, you, you're creating these ripple effects. Because a lot of times if we go to a destination and we go to H&M, and now I'm again using a Swedish uh, brand because it's a typical thing, or you go to Ikea to have their meatballs or this or that, whatever it might be. Like we're, then we're not actually spending the money uh, in what I would call a sustainable way where it goes back into the community. So I think that alone is one way of <clears throat> offsetting some of that. Um, choosing your activities is important. Like, for example, what we do in Tenerife and in the Canary Islands is if you're going to watch uh, the whales, for example, or dolphins, which boat do you go with? Are you going with the boats that don't care about the, the, the environment, meaning that they will uh, wake up the whales while they're sleeping? Um, or are you going with, um, uh, so for example, one of the things we developed is this um, um, supplier, or how do you call it, this service, that you can go whale watching or dolphin watching. And as you're doing it, it's on a research vessel. So first of all, the 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 pilot, like the the captain and, and the crew, they're experts at what they're doing, and you get to be part of that. So you get to track all the sightings. So you're adding data to a data bank to restore and and protect the environment, and all the while you're getting to uh, understand the environment. You get to see the dolphins, and it's all done in a very sustainable, safe way. Um, that is a beautiful way of of, of being a more <clears throat> sustainable tourist. Uh, going on four-wheel drives, for example, like these four-wheel RV things. I, no, that's not a right word for it, RV. But these four-wheel drive uh, motorcycles, that tends to destroy the nature quite a lot. Like it's so invasive in terms of where you go and how the nature is treated. So we don't recommend that. Instead, we recommend go for a hike. Uh, and while you're doing it, you can pick up some rubbish. So you you bring an extra bag and when you're walking, you, you pick up rubbish. That way is a beautiful way to give back and experience and all kinds of things. So I think, yeah, obviously there are so many tips and ideas, but I think it's just that. Um, I'll, I'll leave with one more. If you haven't already booked your destination, then Google, wherever you're going to go, Google for like eco destinations, eco hotels eco stays because a lot of times because this is becoming more and more popular and a lot of times you'll find the most beautiful people the most kind-hearted people running these places that are so unique they're built out of mud they're built out of ice or stone or natural materials they're beautiful they're quirky they're they it becomes a memory for life and because it's a sustainable eco destination they might be reusing water, they might have solar panels, they might have all these kinds of beautiful innovations and, and solutions so that when you're staying there, you're offsetting a lot of the, um, you know, the damage or the impact you otherwise would have. So, like, we don't know it because they don't market, they don't have the same budget as the bigger chains, but they exist. So Google it, work for it, and you will find there are ways to go to places with a way more sustainable footprint. And I love that because then it has this element of education and we know that education then has an incredible ripple effect that it's not only that I will experience this one thing on my holidays, but again, as we talked before, that it then shifts who we are and we always bring something with us and 
that it means that a lot more people will potentially bring some of the education home. And we now, especially since the pandemic, have so much more people who are interested in gardening and uh, getting the place more with wildflowers and preserving the bees. And we can see it's, it is small shift so far in the global scale and there's still big issues out there. But I still have seen that every little seed, every little thing really helps and really makes a move and hopefully helps us save this beautiful planet for many generations to come. I just want to hop onto the, this topic because I know it's been travel, you know, Adam, you traveling and Lenka, this is, I think this is one of Lenka's passions is, is traveling. And I think living out of a backpack with a laptop is her ultimate <laughs> dream space. So it's been really interesting. But one thing is travel is not for everybody for a multitude of reasons and but I love how you said we can make the choices to be more sustainable or to be more aware of what's going on. And I just want to go into, for those of us who stay behind, who must we don't want to travel as much, and the idea of living out of a backpack just freaks you out for whatever reason. But I do love how this planet is a beautiful place. And I think that sometimes we forget how much power we have. We forget how much control we have. And if you're not traveling and you're not going to these beautiful eco places that you mentioned, but wanting to stay at home, wherever you are, whether you're in Europe, whether you're in the UK, America, Africa, wherever you are, Look at where you're getting your stuff. Look at what you're buying. Where does it come from? Is it being flown in? Is it being made in sweatshops? Is it just a throwaway product, essentially? And I very much speak from being here in the UK. We have a lot of very, very, very cheap shops that when you add it up, you know that things are not that cheap, but they are essentially throwaway products from shoes, clothes, machineries, anything. You know, you have a mobile phone for a year, you chuck it out, get a new one. Yeah, and it's it's being sustainable can come right down to how can you make changes? How can you create new habits? You were talking about habits. Habits can be where you're shopping, where you're buying your stuff. Go to a charity shop, recycle clothes, or get good quality clothes so they don't need to be thrown out after one wash. How are you washing? What are you using for your, your washing? But the biggest thing is where are you buying your food? Are you supporting local? Are you supporting the local farmers, the local growers? Are there people near you who have an allotment? Can you buy some veggies off them that, that they've grown? And we had an allotment. You sometimes get an abundance of something that you just can't Get rid of, and there's only so many soups that you can make. Seriously, there's only so many soups. So you'll gladly give it away or, you know, for a cheap, you know, 50, 50p or something just to cover your seeds. So it's, it's it's not always about the traveling. It's also about what can you do at home? What can you do here? Do you need that product that comes with that packaging? Going back to a conversation we had earlier can you get find somewhere else to do 
don't necessarily support the big supermarkets because they're convenient. What's in your neighborhood? And I just wanted to hop in with that because traveling is not for everybody or not everybody's able to do it or wants to do it, but we can still make a difference. We still have the power. And somebody once said to me, they shared with me, says, you walk with your wallet or speak with your wallet. And that is so true because if nobody shops somewhere, they're going to change. And I, I wanted to just jump in and, and share this. This is bordering on my soapbox. I'm very, I'm trying very hard not to get on it because I am passionate about food and I'm passionate about the way food is produced. I'm not a foodie as in the eating. Oh yeah, but I do love my food, but I'm more into where does the food come from? How's it grown? Are the animals looked after? Is it local? Isn't it local? Does it fly in? Or why do we need to get lamb from New Zealand when you got some really good lamb in Wales and Scotland and even here in Suffolk where I live? Why do we need New Zealand lamb? You know, things like that. And it's it's very much, I just, I wanted to, to share that. It's, we can start creating those habits now. We can start from where we are without having to go to these beautiful destinations and just doing it while we're on holiday for that two weeks or three weeks, if you're lucky enough, month, two months, you can make those changes here now. And here, when I say here, I mean here where you are right now, in this moment that you are in, you can choose to change them. And yes, if you slip up, Adam, you mentioned that it is a process. It's okay if you slip up it's okay if you go back to an old habit it's about the journey it's about the process so I just I wanted to just share that and I'm gonna step off my get down off my soapbox and um, just say thank you for bringing all these ideas bringing all these thoughts in I, I totally agree I love that you brought that into this conversation as well, that of course you don't have to travel far in order to make a great impact or have an adventure, right? And I think um, the pandemic allowed us to see that in, in many ways as well. And I think that was a, was a great um, side effect of it. So yeah, definitely. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for being here. I think we could go for hours and go into different areas of you know your journey and your expertise and your passions but I think this has been a wonderful kind of introduction and wonderful first glimpse of new thoughts and ideas and I just wanted to give you a chance to share if there's something that you were hoping to talk about if there was something a point or a, an advice or a lesson that you've learned along the way that you kind of had in mind like I wish it was a chance. Someone asked me this question because I need to get it in my chest. Well, there is your space to, you know, have the closing words of wisdom. Again, that could be its episode, its, its own episode, I'm sure. So I'm going to do my very best to keep it short. Uh, and I, I'm probably just going to go back to something I shared uh, earlier in, in, in our conversation around this inner work thing that. Uh, you know, one of the things that that there was a there was a quote I read around the time when I started making this choice of of inner happiness um, that is 
attributed to uh, George Bernard Shaw. And uh, he's got a lot of really funny quotes. You should, I mean, if you ever look for a quote, go to him first and you'll find it, I'm sure. Uh, so my favorite one, the, the one of the favorite ones from him was life is not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. And that was my insight. That was my understanding while I was going through my depression in Cambodia is that I had been looking at life as, as to find myself. Uh, I was even saying that, like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Like, here I am, I'm looking for happiness. Why am I not finding it? And so I noticed my own language and it was a very externally uh, sounding language. Like I was using senses for it. And um, and that's around the time when I realized I, I needed to make a choice from from inside. So I think that is like a a, a final thing is to don't allow it to... Well, don't allow it, but, but allow it to be something you create. And, and I think we can use language to report on life. Like we can use language to document things. We can say what's wrong about the world, or we use language to create the world. And so we can use more activating language for it. And, and, and that's the distinction there that really shifted it for me. So thank you for allowing me to share that. Thank you so much for sharing. It was beautiful. And I think a perfect way to kind of summarize this journey that we've been on today. So thank you so much for all your time and all your insights. And if any of our listeners are thinking, oh gosh, I really need more of this. I need maybe more inspired. I need maybe some practical advice. I just want to follow Adam's journey and see where he is. Where is the best place for people to go and find you online? Well, the, the best way is um, probably to visit my website. Um, so it's adamkowalik.com. And um, the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm, I'm not a lot. I don't have a big presence on social media. I do run my own uh, podcast uh, where Natalie quite recently uh, came on to be a guest. And um, so that one is called Inside the Comfort Zone. You can find that on almost any of the major platforms. Uh, so that is one way to kind of continue having these conversations. Um, those are quite short episodes. They're like 10, 20 minutes long, uh, easy to consume. And um, then I'm also quite active in, in a community or an audio platform called Wisdom quite similar to clubhouse um but has its uniqueness so that's another place to kind of interact with me and i think that's it so visiting my website uh, listening to my uh, podcast or joining wisdom and hanging out there is a great way to kind of keep this conversation going that's perfect thank you so much and i'm sure that our followers our listeners will check you out and if any of our listeners have questions or have been inspired to take action then we would love to hear from you we would love to hear what resonated if there's anything that really inspired you or if there's anything that you really wish we would go deeper into as if i hinted on we are planning on bringing guests back and any comments and feedback is always very welcome so thank you so much for listening and thanks again Alan, for being here if you enjoyed listening to our conversation Please share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe. 
We would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and write a short review.